Hey everyone, it's Dan Starbuck Pelletier with Two Reasonable Men. I got Carlos here. Hey Carlos. Hi Danny, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing on this Tuesday night? Is it Tuesday or Wednesday? Tuesday night, Tuesday night. It's a fantastic Tuesday. night here. Uh, we just got a little bit of rain, but uh, fantastic in Birmingham, Alabama. Cool. I'm in Hartford, Connecticut. I know I jump around a lot, so that's where I am. We have a special guest tonight for our, for our episode called Embrace Adversity, uh, Katie Weymouth. Uh, hey, Katie, how you doing? Good. Glad to have you. Uh, you have an awesome story, and we want to hear every bit of it tonight. Um, you definitely face a lot of adversity, just like everyone else, but uh, your story is very interesting, so we're looking forward to it. Um, so... Let's get right into it. Katie, can you tell us uh, where you're from and, and, and your upbringing and stuff like that? Sure, no problem. So I was born and raised in Massachusetts in a small little town called Charlton, Mass. If you looked at a map, it's where Rhode Island and Connecticut meet, and right above it in Massachusetts is Charlton, Massachusetts. So I was born and raised in that town. I uh, graduated a long time ago in 1999 from Shepherd Hill Regional High School, which is in Dudley, Mass. Uh, then I went on to get my bachelor's of science uh, at the at University of Connecticut. So you are a mass girl, um, a Northeast girl, and uh, and then you spent some time in Connecticut, where I am now. Um, and so your story really starts uh, your freshman year of college. Um, can you walk us through what happened? And uh, yeah, and just right there. Sure. Uh, I started my freshman year of college in the fall of 1999 at the University of Connecticut. Uh, I was about three weeks into my freshman year of college. I went home for just some homecoming. It was a football game. It was my mom's birthday. So I figured, you know what, I can go home, see some friends, wish my mom a happy birthday. Had a great time home, came back to college, uh, started going to classes. And midway through that week, I started to get really cold, like hot. I felt like I was having a cold, hot spells, uh, achy, so I went to the infirmary. Uh, they took my fever temperature. They said I didn't have a fever, and I was like, well, that's kind of weird. Um, but they said, you know what, go back to your dorm room, and if you still don't feel good the next morning, um, come in, and we'll figure something out. So I went back to my dorm room, uh, took some NyQuil, uh, fell asleep, woke up at like 4 o'clock in the morning, uh, and was figured, you know what, um, I'll get down from the top bunk, I'll go shower and do the schoolwork that I didn't do the night before, because I'm a good student. I wanted, wanted to make sure I started off on the right foot as a freshman in college. So I climbed down from the top bunk and I uh, fell over and I was like, hmm, that's weird. You know, considering you're in a dorm room, it's messy anyway. So I figured I fell over something, but I kept falling over and over so much that I woke my roommate up and my roommate was like, hey, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. Go back to bed. Uh, she luckily didn't go back to bed. She called the infirmary. They came and got me. Uh, they let me go back to sleep and roughly around 10 o'clock in the morning, started, I woke up and it started breaking out in purple spots everywhere because what was happening was the blood wasn't getting to the surface of my skin. So it was basically dying like a third degree burn. At that point, they were like, uh, uh, this is not good. We need to take her to the community hospital, which is about a 15 minute uh, ambulance ride. So by that point, I was covered in purple spots everywhere. My feet were getting cold. I was literally stuck in a closet because they weren't too sure what to do with me. Um, from there, they then took me to Hartford Hospital, which luckily at that time is a testing hospital. So they test um, uh, drugs that are gonna go to market. 
So they gave me a drug at that time too there, um, which I can't prove, but I'm pretty sure is what saved my hands. Um, I slowly slipped in and out of uh, an induced co um, a coma. Uh, my, I remember one point me saying to my mom, hey, can you turn the heating blankets up? Uh, they were wrapped around my feet and my mom saying, yeah, Kate, they're all, all the way up. So I knew at that point something was up with my feet. Uh, at this time, I was slowly going in and out of consciousness, and they finally diagnosed me with bacterial meningitis. Um, they realized they couldn't really do anything for my my skin issues because pretty much I, I had no skin, and they had to. It was kind of like I was a burn patient. So they, at that time, wanted to life flight me all the way up to Ma uh, to Maine to a hyperbaric chamber, so that way I'd be getting pure oxygen. But I wouldn't make the flight, so instead they um, flew me to uh, Mass General Hospital because they had a burn a burn floor on that at Mass General Hospital. So they figured that would be the best way to take care of me. So at that point, I was put in a medically induced coma for two months. Which during that time, you ready? I had almost my rights given to me twice. Kidney failure, liver failure, 300 units of blood transfused into my body. Uh, I was 63% of my body covered in skin grafts. I had a sinus infection, so that ended up with a trach, the amputation of both my feet. And I think that's it. Yeah. So two months later, I woke up on Thanksgiving Day thinking that um, I knew something happened, but I didn't know what. Um, I thought my feet were just wrapped up in blankets. Uh, my parents literally had, because of the amount of medication I was on, I, my memory wasn't very strong. So they literally had to tell me every hour on the hour that Katie, you're sick, you're, you were sick, your feet are no longer there, which of course just sent me into the whole crying and rehashing all that. In time, I learned that I accepted the fact that my feet were no longer there. Um, I literally was in a bubble that no one could touch me unless they had gloves on and there was literally plastic on all four sides of me. Uh, finally, I was able to transition out of out of that bubble to a semi-sterile um, room. Uh, but unfortunately, as they were weaning me off the morphine, I had a seizure, so I got to go back into the bubble. Um, slowly, I transitioned back and forth um, from Mass General to Spalding Rehab. Um, I had to have surgeries for debriding. Um, I had bone calcifications that uh, produced at the end of my limbs. My kneecap had a huge uh, wound that they tried to close, but unfortunately they had to remove my, a kneecap. So I don't have a, a knee, a kneecap on um, either my left leg either. Um, finally, um, I was able to transition back closer to home into Worcester, Mass, um, where I was finally released eight months and 25 days later to go home um, to start intense therapy. Because you um, you realize when I went in, I was a healthy athlete. I was 154 pounds. I played soccer. I played basketball. I worked out. And I came out of the hospital weighing a total of 90 pounds. That's how much muscle, fat, and tissue I lost. So I literally was a 18-year-old inside a baby's body because I had no muscle definition. I couldn't wake, I couldn't roll older. I couldn't sit up. I had to learn all that all over again. Um, and so when I left, finally got out of the hospital, I had built up a lot of muscle, but I still had to learn how to now walk with two prosthetics. And so finally I did basically a four, it was basically a full-time job. In the morning I had physical therapy, occupational therapy come to my house. And then in the afternoon I went to a, a outpatient clinic and had OT and PT and exercise physiologist. So finally a year later from when I got sick, so in August of 2000, I returned 
to the University of Connecticut with one cane and after a month I was walking normal like everybody else and continuing on in my education of getting a bachelor's of science in molecular and cell biology. I continued at the University of Connecticut to get a master's in applied genomics. Um, and then I finally got into a PhD program and moved outside of my comfort zone of my New England bubble and moved down to Houston, Texas, or the butthole of Texas, as my uncle from Amarillo, Texas calls it, <laughs> um, and moved inside the Bible Belt and uh, was a little bit shocked when I started being called a liberal and a Yankee. Um, but when I, about six years later afterwards, in uh, October of 2012, I defended my um, uh, dissertation and graduated with a doctorate in human and molecular genetics. And then I'm, three years ago, I moved back to Massachusetts. I'm a mass girl at heart and always will be. So I came back to my roots. And now um, I do work with kind of like with genetic testing, um, personalized medicine. Right. So just so everyone knows how I met Katie, um, I met her at the gym that we both work out at. And how this all started is, you know, I'd go there and I'd see her there. Um, every single time I was there and I just, I would see her covered in sweat, um, with working out harder than anyone at the gym. And I, I work out very hard too. So I love when I see people doing that. Uh, but to see her, you know, in, in, in the situation she was with her legs, um, I was just so inspired by it. And finally, I always wanted to set, talk to you actually. And, uh, and then finally one day I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to go and introduce myself at the gym, which I'm sure annoys people, but I did it. And so, uh, so I introduced myself to Katie and, um, and we ended up stopping our workout and talking for how long did we talk for that day? Uh, probably for at least 30 minutes. You totally killed my workout, but it's okay. I know we hit it off, you know? And so, um, to have, you know, that story you just told us, which is, um, something that all of us, it could happen to anybody. I mean, that's what's so interesting about the story is you weren't born with this. This is something you just caught and, um, and you were a healthy kid, you know? So, um, but then to hear all of that and then to see you in the gym, the way you work out and the way you push yourself, um, I knew that I had to have you on this podcast because I want to hear what drives that, what, what gets you into that mindset through all the, through all the adversity that you've, that you've gotten through. It's it's funny you ask that because it's always um, conf I don't know if it confuses me or I, I don't know it makes me think a lot when people come up to me and say you're such an inspiration and which to me is a huge compliment but at the same time I don't I don't know any different I don't I'm not doing this to prove a point I'm not doing this to say look at me I'm doing it because this is who I've always been. I've always been someone that has been, as I say, a stubborn pole where I won't say, let anything stop me. So I guess in a way, maybe it is I'm trying to prove a point to the fact that, you know, just because I lost my feet and I walk with two prosthetics, I'm not going to be that stereotypical person you see that, you know, sits on their couch all day. That's not who I am. I've never been that way. I've always strived to, to make the most out of it. And I think going through what I want, went through, I have done more as an amputee than I have as an able-bodied person. I think it's because I learned that life is precious. You only live it once. 
Um, technically, I'm not supposed to be here, but I am. And because of that, I, I've done so much more. Um, I don't I don't necessarily care what other people think. I'm not going to go not go to a concert or go out to dinner or go to a, go somewhere just because I don't have anyone to go with. I've done more on my own travel wise concerts, all that and met so many amazing people and have such great stories to say it where instead of being being like, oh, I didn't go because I didn't have anyone to go with. Now I can say, oh, I went, I had an amazing time. I have friends over here. I have friends over there. Um, so I think from that, I just couldn't let it stop me and say that I, oh, I can't do that. Um, and that's pretty much how I was able to person. I mean, I also, I have an amazing support system. My mom and dad are amazing people that have pushed me and been there with me, even when I drive them in crazy, because I'm, I'm doing things that they're like, really, Kate, do you have to do this? Um, so, and my friends, my friends treated me no differently. They saw that I was still the Katie that they knew before. And I may look a little different, but they, that I was still Katie, the same Katie. Beautiful. I, uh, you know, I, I'm extremely impressed. I'm blown away by your story. And, uh, you know, first of all, we'd like to take the opportunity to definitely spread awareness about this disease and, and, you know, because I, actually, I, I was talking to a coworker and I told him about this podcast, and he said his brother was actually diagnosed with that when he was younger, and uh, you know it was something I didn't know about. So definitely spreading you know the word out. And another thing I, I think is very interesting that you just said the fact that you still keep your identity right. Uh, people, you know, face challenges, and they may be greater than yours, they may be smaller than yours, but at the end of the day, we all have them, right? And mm -hmm. what you had, it, it's just, I, I could not even think about that. And what would you say to people that are facing any sort of challenge, regardless of what it is? Because you kept your identity, you kept your positivity, you're still amazing. You, you achieve a lot more than other people in the world that have everything could never achieve. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. You have to realize you will have what I call moments where you break down, where you say, I, why me? Why did this happen to me? Why am I having to struggle with this or that? But as long as you don't get stuck in those moments, you need to let it out. Like if you keep it all bottled up, it's just going to keep bottling up and bottling up and then it will break you. So what I say is I have my moments. I will call my mom, cry for five minutes, hang up, call her back and say, sorry, mom, just having a Katie moment, moving on. You can't too. let that hold you down. You have to be able to express it, let it out, and, and move on. And that's kind of, in a way, also why I work out. It's my stress relief. I use that as, a, as, a, as an avenue to release all this stress, all this pent up every once in a while. Because I have those days where I have people that are looking at me, and I'm just like, it annoys me. But at the same time, though, I have to look at it as a compliment because they're in awe of me that I'm walking. I walk extremely well, well as a bilateral amputee. And so that's a, it's a huge compliment to me, but at the same time, it's, it's been a little bit hard because I live in this gray area. I am not able-bodied enough, but I am not handicapped enough. So I'm in this gray area that I have to kind of struggle with at times to prove my, oh, I'm having a bad day. I need to park in a handicapped spot, or I have to prove that I can do the job as anybody else even though I have to maybe sit for a minute and then get rest my legs and then get going. But as long as I don't give up and keep persevering, then I win. I don't let anybody else win. So for me, 
you just have to realize that the, the road of life is not a straight path. You're going to have turns and bumps. I had it again when I tried to get into a PhD program. I didn't get in my first attempt. So I went and got my master's, did, did got all that experience and reapplied and I got in. Maybe it wasn't, it took me a little bit longer than I wanted, but I got it because that's what I wanted. No one else, I wanted that, I pushed myself. And so for that, you need to realize what you truly want. And if that's what you want, it's attainable. It just may not be the path A that you chose. It may be B, C, D, E, or F, whatever it is. You'll get there if that's truly what you want, but you have to also be open to the fact that it's not gonna be a direct path there. So um, I, I love that. I love that. Um, and, and I want to hear your take on excuses. So, um, I, you know, I run a, a big business for PepsiCo and then I have a lot of people that, that work in my team. And then I have my coaching business and I just get, I have trouble accepting excuses. So, but I also want to be understanding. So I would love to hear your take on excuses. It's frustrating at times because sometimes I hear excuses and I look and say, you have two working feet. I don't. I would do anything to give my, have my feet back, but they're not. So I have to accept it and I've accepted what, I, what it is and I've pushed. However, I have to also realize not everybody has gone through what I got, have gone through. And what they've gone through may be, maybe not the best example, a hangnail. And to them, a hangnail may be a huge issue and they can't deal with it and so I need to I need to be able to put myself in their shoes and realize that maybe one excuse is okay and I get it because that's all they've been exposed to but I need to also I have to I have to be okay with that but I can still at least be there for them and support them and, re and help them realize that that's not really an excuse it's it's a reasoning but it's not an excuse that should stop you you, there's other ways to work around that excuse to get to where you want to go. So it's it's hard, it's frustrating, I'm not gonna lie, um, but there's only so much I can do to help them see that, that that's just an excuse and that you need to let that go. It's, it's almost like, uh, it's like a mindset and, and going through what you went through um, is certainly gonna make you tougher, you know, mentally. and. Um, just like you said, like understanding that some people haven't gone through things that have maybe made them tougher or, or just trying to understand what's going on. Maybe, maybe they just have a problem. And so, um, handling someone with an excuse, uh, I, I think you're right. I think you have to try to put yourself in their shoes. Go ahead, Carlos. Katie, I, I, I love, I mean, I, your story is just unreal. I mean, I'm still blown away by it before the podcast started we had a, a conversation and you said that you gave a talk for some kids and uh you know it seems like you're adding value to society a lot more than anybody else that you know that i've actually talked to before or met before and, and knowing your story so you're giving back to people you're, you're inspiring people and, and and what's kind of your goal you know like do you get do you get a lot by giving a lot or or you know why why do you do all this? I mean, how how is it that that Katie uh, is able to to give so much? I think a part of me is I want people to see that you can overcome anything or mostly anything. The other thing is that it means a lot is that, for example, I remember leaving the gym once and a mom saying to her her kid, 
don't look at someone like that. And I wanted to go up to the kid and say, well, to the mom and say, what do you mean like that? I want kids to be open to be able to ask those questions to come. I'm so open with kids. I can, when I catch them looking at me, I will actually go up to them and say, oh, do you like my legs? Aren't they cool? They look like robots. Like I'm a transformer because I want them to be comfortable with things. You know, not everyone's, no one's perfect. Everybody has different things that you, if you get exposed to it and realize that it's quote unquote normal to look away, look a certain way, act a certain way, walk a certain way, they won't look at the person by their appearance. They'll look at them and want to go up to them and talk to them and interact with them. So they won't judge them or they won't be thinking like, oh, I can't go talk to her. She, 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 she's weird looking. It will just be, I'm hoping out of it and me being open with everything that they will see this as a norm in that they won't look any differently at anybody else. Um, instead they'll just see them as a person and as someone that they can go up and talk to and have a good relationship or friendship with. Yeah. And, and hopefully we can, um, yeah. And, and hopefully we can help you, uh, to spread this message through our podcast. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, awareness about this virus, um, and getting those vaccines, right. Is it vaccines that, that are needed? Yeah. So when I, after I went back to Yukon, surprisingly, and kind of a kick in the butt is that it became mandatory um, to have the vaccine on camp to live on campus. And so I was one of the driving forces uh, in Massachusetts. I spent I went and talked before the, the hearing to get it mandatory for college students for to be vaccinated. And then on top of it, if they went to an overnight camp, they'd get a pamphlet saying, hey, this is out there. You should probably get vaccinated. And um, so there was there's one vaccine that's mandatory that covers four strands. And now there's another vaccine that's also highly recommended that carries covers the, the fifth strand. So um, just make sure you ask your doctor that you have both vaccines so that you're covered on all um, strains of uh, bacterial meningitis. Right, Be because you know it, it can happen to anyone. You you were healthy and um, you know you just picked it up because sometimes you're just tired, right? Dehydrated. Is anything like that swaps bodily fluids? So if you share a cup, chapstick. And kiss someone, anything that swaps bodily fluids, that's how you can catch it. Okay. All right. So um, it, it was such a pleasure to have you um, spreading this awareness about this and uh, hearing your story and your, and your ideas. And um, we're looking forward to seeing what you do in the community. Uh, we're going to be following you. We're going to be promoting your stuff. And uh, we're excited. Thank you. Katie, Thanks for having uh, me. I really yeah, I would. I'd like to thank you for uh, for this experience. Uh, I mean, we we love your message, and you know, we'd love for our listeners to to definitely un understand. You know that there are no barriers big enough, and, and you've proven this. So, thank you so much for for your time. Thank you for uh, for arranging this for us, and for enlightening us really uh, with uh, with your with your presence in this podcast. Uh, and don't forget to subscribe so you can listen to to more cool stories and, and we're looking forward to, to keeping up with you as Danny said. Great. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.